Hello. And welcome to the Tony Awards. Tony with an I. The podcast where we go through the entire filmography of Tony Collette. I'm Sam. I'm Jake. And joining us today, we have a very special guest, Mr. Brett Singer. Hello, hello. And today we are talking about Miss You Already, released in 2015, written by Morwenna Banks, directed by Catherine Hardwick of Twilight fame. And it's about Tony Collette undergoing cancer treatment while Drew Barrymore tries to get pregnant. And they're best friends and have been since childhood. And it's really nice. I really <laughs> liked this movie. I don't know how you guys felt about it. I loved it. I, I enjoyed it. It's, it I, I, I like how you said it's really nice. I thought that was, I thought that was good. Um, I think it's a good movie. It's, it's solid. It's very, it's very weepy. I watched it yes. with my wife and she was in tears. I personally, am not much of a crier, but it did, it did bring a couple of tears to my eye. Yeah, personally, it is the saddest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And I was like, not expecting that, honestly. I was watching it with my three roommates. And at the end, I turned over and my roommate, Rosemary, was very visibly crying. At the end? Yes, at the end. And I personally wasn't. But I think that's just because I'm emotionally dead inside. Yeah, I'm, the Brandon, same, I'm the same way. I don't really cry that much uh, at movies. Yeah. I only cry during Pixar movies. Um, I feel like the cries were so, like, like, the crying in this movie was so, like, hammered home, like, when you're supposed to cry, that maybe that's why I didn't as much. But I did feel the well of emotion. If I can oh, feel that a movie wants me to cry, I will not cry. I'm like, are you kidding? Like, I know what you're trying to do there. Yeah. It was very, like trauma porn in a way but i think that the acting was so good that it was like fine yeah and i actually was um surprised that there wasn't more trauma porn i guess within it i thought that it would be the sort of thing where we're assaulted by images of tony like puking sure. uh, but there's really only like a couple scenes where she seems to be in any pain other than like exhaustion it's minimal puke. There was yeah. uh, if anyone, anyone worrying about puke is which I appreciate. I hate puke scenes. I cannot. I thought about you when she puked into the salad bowl, Sam. I immediately thought of you, and I was like, "Oh no!" Fucking hated that <laughs> shit. Hated it. <laughs> but it um, was sort of a return of like badass Tony that I yes. thought we had. She's like this high powered like PR exec. She has the best outfits I've ever seen in my life. She has oh, yeah. like the really good hair and like the the husband with an earring and it was very like I feel like the last couple movies we've seen I mean the last movie we saw she had a couple lines in and it was like CGI before that it was um she had like six was Tammy before that before that the one that came out today the day that we're recording was Glassland where she's like an alcoholic who is just so upset at all moments of every day and her son is like screaming at her see that was that movie really kind of strived for emotional like gravity and connection but it can kind of didn't really go anywhere um i don't know i guess just like i guess because drew barrymore wasn't playing her son in that movie and the fact that they had such good chemistry i was like completely thrown honestly this is probably the best thing I've seen Drew Barrymore in. Oh yeah. Well, Fifty First Dates. Fifty First Dates. She's, she's terrific like... in that, but it's but it's not as <laughs> but it's not as heavy a lift. I'm 50 getting. Yeah. Is, I love Fifty First Dates. I love The Wedding Singer. 
Yes. So the Wedding Singer is a terrific movie. It really is. It's very, it's very sweet. It's nice, nice to watch with your significant other. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a great movie. But she doesn't, she doesn't have to do that much. It's just not as hard. This, exactly. She really had to per- turn on the acting, and I thought she just really nailed it. That's true. I feel like Drew usually is given comedic roles because she's very funny. But like this was mostly just like there were lighthearted moments because there had to be. But mostly it was just like her supporting her best friend's illness. It was so like the whole thing was just so sad. (laughs) I'm still not really over it. We watched it last night and Brandon was like completely weeping at the end. And we just had all these conversations about just like, you know, how life is so short and like imagine dying with your best like the person you love the most and all that stuff and i was like oh my god this is awful i finished watching it about 20 minutes ago oh uh, wow i'm How are you? still feeling very raw to be honest <laughs> my roommates are in the other room and really i just wish that i was processing this with them but here i am on mic drunk <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm glad i really watched it last night instead of watching it uh, just now on the LIRR, that would have been a mistake for oh sure. Oh my God, that would have been horrible. <laughs> Imagine. I can't. You're just crying into your shirt on a train, into your and mask. And it just keeps cutting out. Yeah, no, that would be bad. Um, so should we kind of go through the characters-ish? Yes, like okay. This, so plot? my least favorite character was Tony's oncologist because never in his entire dumb fucking life has he spoken a clear sentence. He's mumbling and whispering for every single scene of this movie. I did not understand a word that he said or what her diagnosis was and it made me want to die because he would just say something that I didn't understand and then Tony would start crying and I'd be like, what happened? Who hurt her? Also, yeah, really (laughs) shitty bedside manner. He was like completely, every time she sat in the office, he was like, you're dying. oops and she was just like doing her ugly cry and it was so yeah he was terrible you're right I would be be curious to hear from uh, I'm not saying you're wrong but I would be curious to hear from someone who's been through cancer to see how that doctor portrayal stacks up against a real doctor yeah well maybe that's what they were striving for I'm not trying to defend it but but maybe they were striving for some kind of realism the screenplay says like the description of the doctor and the breakdown, the casting breakdown, it said we're looking for someone who is barely audible. Really? <laughs> no, I just made that up. Oh, that would be <laughs> an interesting choice. I believed you too, Sam. That was very believable. You should. No, I think it was just poor sound editing. Um, it, yeah. Well, I. What did you think of the um of her husband? I actually really liked him. I thought he was terrific, but he was a little too perfect. Mm. All the a men were too bit. perfect. Both of the men, I shouldn't say all, but the, the two guys were de- were definitely like, whatever happened, they were just like, yeah, that's cool. No problem. Oh, I you felt like, on me? Whatever. I felt like all the characters in the first hour were way too perfect. And then in the second hour, they sort of were just creating conflict because they realized that they had gone an hour without any conflict. Yeah, I think like every time there was like, there was one moment that was high stakes with Drew and she was and her her like her husband were they married? Yeah. Her husband was like, um, oh my God, you care more about your about Tony Collette than you care about uh me, which is a conversation that I've had um with my significant <laughs> other. I'm just kidding. Um and then like they fight and then he immediately like jumps down on the window and they're fine. Which is kind of realistic as well. Like the movie was not about 
them fighting with their husbands. It was about their friendship. But it was still like, yeah, it was like they they I were guess, perfect they were perfect creatures. They were they were, I they guess were what I've, fantasy creations. What I've talked myself into is that like it was fine that they didn't have any high stakes issues with their marriages. I did not mind, honestly, because <laughs> I was Well, besides I, Tony. I was like, isn't the cancer enough? True. I truly was. did kind of feel like the cancer was enough. I mean, Tony did cheat on her husband. In the last yeah. act. I mean, really, I mean, I understand that she was feeling low. I mean, that's the, the worst thing the husband does is react so horribly to the mastectomy. And yeah. Yeah. Like clearly, like clearly, you know, bad move. Like, like no, there, there's no, there's no version of that where he comes out looking good. So, I mean, you know, I get it. But yeah. she not, I mean, it's not, it'd be one thing if she'd gone out and cheated and then that, and you know, and did it once and that was it. This was an ongoing thing. She planned it. She slept mm-hmm. all the way out to the moors just because that's where the guy was, you know? So yeah. I understand that at some point we start to realize that she's maybe not such a good person and it's understandable and that's okay. But I don't know. I think, I think it would have been okay for him to be a little, a little bit upset about that. He, as I recall in the movie, he was just sort of like, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. I think it was a little late in the movie for him, for that to really become a big thing either too, because yeah, they had to have a resolution. And I don't even know if he ever found out about it, to be I'm honest. Pretty sure I, I, seemed to, I thought that she told him, but I- They have oh, a okay. conversation in the backyard. I'm pretty sure that it's the same conversation where she tells him that she has brain cancer. Mm, she says like, right. I have brain cancer and also I cheated on you. <laughs> and he's like, well, I can't be mad at you now, fuck. <laughs> well, I guess She's like, time for me to go to hospice that. and do morphine for the next- four months or whatever it kind of makes you wonder though if they would have you know i guess that's the age-old question it's like would they have stayed together their whole lives if you know if she hadn't gotten cancer but i guess it doesn't matter anyway but i mean they should have just couple they should have just been open had an open relationship they probably kind of were because like he was a rock star and whatever and then now, she was, was, he, like, was he a rock star or was he a roadie because I, I was reading he was a roadie called him a roadie he was a roadie and, I, and then, I thought he was a musician but it, it, when he said it, I was like, oh wait i guess he wasn't i thought i he, i thought that he was the musician that she fucked in the uh like flashback before the title yeah. card. But, I then, so too. but then i was like that's like too much like because also like this woman cannot be Drew? like this woman cannot be this cool and also marrying the first guy she ever fucked <laughs> Right. Fair. Although it was a small town in Britain, apparently. Yeah. Oh, and okay, her mom. Can we talk about her mom? She was actually my least favorite character. I thought that you would love her. Okay, I liked her, but I just didn't necessarily ever get a... um, I I really wish that there was more of like a oh, my daughter has cancer vibe coming from her. She was just, like, (laughs) dignified. She didn't have that in her. She she didn't know how to deal with it. She was tremendously superficial. um, I guess my the best moment for her was, like, when right after Tony shaves her head and then, like, Tony's like, I don't want to keep a lock of my hair, and then her mom keeps it. I thought that was cute. Um, I mean, it was kind of, yeah, superficial, but it was also sad. Yeah, her mom was an interesting character to me because I was writing notes... And it occurred to me about, um, honestly, about five minutes before Tony cheated on her husband that, like, there isn't 
a single character in this movie that I'm not rooting for. And Mm -hmm. then I was like, well, that's probably false. And I tried to find a character to be rooting against. And I was like, well, Tony's mom is kind of obnoxious. But then she does have those little endearing moments, like uh, when, when Tony's when Drew Barrymore is babysitting Tony's kids and they start arguing over whether their mom is going to die. And then Ugh. Tony's mom distracts them by saying, who wants to go get chips? And they- The chip shop. Yeah, the chip shop. And they're like, yeah, and they run away. And I was like, well, you know, maybe she's more of an acts of service person than a words of affirmation right. sort of person. I- I think as far as rooting against, I think that that's a good point because I think the only thing you're really rooting against is the cancer, which is probably the whole point of the movie. Like how it just completely disrupts like all these people's lives, like all the way to Drew's husband, all the way to- This movie had me not only rooting for Drew Barrymore, but also for her womb, like her womb specifically. Uh, During this movie, I was like praying. I was like, please let this womb have a child. Well, the first scene is her pregnant though. As her in labor. Yeah, but you but forget. I, but you I forget forgot. because you think she's doing like intense yoga because it immediately goes into a flashback. I also I actually thought, watched the first half hour twice, so I picked up on that. But. Why I do you also, watch the first half hour twice? I also thought because one of her first lines in that like first scene is um she says like I don't know why I decided to get pregnant. I thought that she was having a dream where she was in labor mm-hmm. because I have dreams where I'm in labor a lot. And every single time, I'm always like, well, fuck, like, I don't remember getting my IUD removed. (laughs) Like, I'm like, how did this happen? How did I get pregnant? Who's the father? And then it's like, the father is always somebody I kind of tangentially know. And I'm like, well, I don't think I would have chosen this man to be the father of my child. (laughs) And it's always a big question. And I was wondering if that was a situation that Drew Barrymore was in and that she was just having a dream. dream. What an interesting recurring dream. Yeah. Mm. You are not, not only that you're pregnant, but you're in labor. I've been having this dream since like high school. Wow. Yeah. And you don't know why the father is the father. (laughs) Or like sometimes I don't know who the father is. Sometimes I'm just like, like my mom is just, I'm asking my mom why I didn't get an abortion. And she's like, because we're Catholic, bitch. And I'm like, but that never stopped (laughs) me before. Nice. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I thought it was such a, I mean, very like heavy-handed parallel, but also very good. Like of Drew trying to get pregnant and Tony like slowly, you know, dying, and and then especially at the end when, ugh, well, I don't even want to talk about that yet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was just an interesting struggle and the IVF stuff, and Tony has kids and. Yeah. Did you assume that she was dead and that, that the, at the very beginning that like she wasn't going to make it to the? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, so, like, yes. I have it. I have it in my notes. It's like it's pretty obvious that she's dead. That she's not going to be here. That's what they're leading up to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obvious. I also thought that the guy would be dead. That he would mm. die on the oil rig. Wow, that would. <laughs> I'm that a bit of suck. a fatalist. <laughs> Imagine every single character dies except for Drew Barrymore. It's it's like at that. The, it's like I am legend. <laughs> it's like a horror movie. Um, no, I, I actually had seen the trailer for this like a few months ago, but I had forgotten which one of them had cancer. So I was like, oh no. And and the movie started and like, I was like, maybe it's true. Then Tony, I mean, it's fairly soon, but to be fair of the two and Drew Barrymore was terrific, but of the two, Tony Collette is, is the far superior actress. 
Yeah. So if you're going to give it to someone, I mean, there were so many yeah. great shots of, you know, like they, you, the, the director clearly knows what she has. Cause like you find, she finds out she has cancer. The camera stays focused on her face. Mm-hmm. It's going to stay there. So you can watch the emotions, you know, do their thing up there. And that's, that's what you could do. I'm not saying Drew Barrymore couldn't do it. I think Drew Barrymore is very good, but I don't think she's quite as good. I think that is a, that is a good point. But at the same time, like, it's strange to me that Tony, like, this is truly like her first real acting showcase in quite a while. Like she doesn't really, she is supportive, support characters more often than not. And usually in American films and like, this is like a British film. I assume, yeah. Oh I mean, no, I think this is an American British film. film. I, is it? Because Catherine yeah. Hardwick's. Catherine it said uh, the uh, the Wikipedia. It says, yeah, it's a 2015 British romantic comedy drama, which I don't think comedy. that's right. I don't, I don't know. I, I that's would absolutely false. I think it's uh, just. The I thought stench they were very of... American Brits. I thought as as British people, you know, these were they were pretty American. This this except for me. yeah. Well, no, Tony it was it was American it, writing about the British. It was primarily yeah. released in the United Kingdom. It premiered oh, at right? Toronto Film International Film Festival and then mm. was released in the United Kingdom. And it wasn't distributed in the United States. Really. So it's a fully like British movie. It's but such not a United States, States, States seems like seems like an odd move. I mean, they're Tony yeah. Collette and Drew Barrymore would be good for some ticket sales. I when know. The United yeah, States I don't know. Love, just... like, Americans love like cheesy weepy shit too. I don't they think love, it was released like in the peaches. United States because the Wikipedia under distribution it says the film mm. was sold to several territories, including Germany, France, Japan, South Korea, and Hong Kong. So it was made in the United Kingdom, distributed primarily by them, and then sent to, I feel like the United States would be listed or even. Um, yeah. I would just like sidebar. But also, I, I mean, like, oh, Brett, are you still with us? I, no, no, I'm here. I'm just going into another room. Okay, cool. I would just love it if Tony would make a movie that was like accessible to watch via streaming. Like that's my plea for her is to like, start doing that for me for us oh so that i can stop googling whatever movie we're doing this week plus one two three movies yeah well i actually okay so i actually bought this movie for ten dollars so i own it now um so do you think that you're before i even saw it do you think that you're ever going to watch it again um probably not emotionally but i would totally watch it like with somebody who is like going through like a breakup or like, you know, an extreme loss. Cause I'd be like, this is way worse. Um, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I might rewatch it if I'm like super fucked up, but yeah. Well, I, I rented it. I didn't think I was ever going to watch it again. Well, I didn't know how to rent it. I couldn't, the only option that showed up on online for me was like buy for $10. Oh, okay. And I was I like, can't. why? That's what I'm saying. It's like, Tony, please do movies that we can watch. And I think that leads to her, like, how most people don't really know who she is. Like, some they do once they, once they see a picture of her and they, like, you tell her a movie. But, like, I feel like it's because so much of the stuff she does is, like, not even, is, like, rarely seen until, like... I didn't know. realize that when you guys were giving me other choices, I was surprised to find that some of them were things that you literally could not find. Yeah, like the, mm-hmm. not available, and it's the, and I think of her as one of the best actresses around. Oh yeah, you no. Know? So I I don't think of her as a niche actress who has trouble breaking into the American market. Yeah, it never occurred to me that 
we would have to well you were originally going to come on for this like british mini series that is not available for streaming anywhere unless you literally live in britain and right. have like a, a british cable subscription oh wait was this the natural disaster one or whatever no no that that's on hbo we just didn't do that because we didn't want to <laughs> um, <laughs> which by the way wait jake should we skip what? blinky bill the movie because it's a CGI movie adaptation of like an Australian children. Oh my God, that looked horrible. That was, yeah. one, one of, that was one of the things on the list. And I was like, you know what? My kids are older now. I don't you have to watch you, this kind of crap. You DM'd me. You were like, I, I do not want to do Blinky Bill. <laughs> yeah, that was, as soon as I saw what it was, I was just like, yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know, Sam. I and think... also, we don't, we don't have a guest for next week. Oh, is it next week? Yeah. Um, I kind of want to do it, though. Okay. I'll, um... <laughs> I mean, what if I okay? Fun. How about this? I mean, I I mean, I just we could I, um. If I don't find a guest, I'll, I'll take it on myself. If I don't find a guest by Thursday, then we don't have to do it. We could bring on Julia Rossi for that episode. Does she like Blinky Bill? No, but I was just hanging out with her last week. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I'm sure I could get someone to do it. Um, I just think I think what we need to do when we approach these animated movies. Is have a little, is be a little loose, and like. Not we have to treat it like we treated Tammy, which is to not talk about the movie at all during the podcast. Yes, yeah, which we've done, which we've done. You know, our listeners, this will be a good week where we talk about the movie, and it's a good movie. And then, then they'll have a, an episode where it's just we don't even talk about the movie. It's perfect because, like, yeah. nothing. It couldn't be worse than the magic pudding. Let's be real. It couldn't the magic be worse. Pudding. The magic pudding. <laughs> have you seen what that? The hell is that? No. What it's an Australian, Australian animated movie about a sentient pudding played by John Cleese. Oh, and by the way, pudding means something different in Australia. And there it it's means okay. like, it's like a, it, it means like meatloaf. I think he's a, yeah, he's like a meatloaf. It's like a cake. little cup of meatloaf voiced by John Cleese and he's a fucking asshole. And Tony is very, not even in that either. I mean, Tony's like, barely in she's it. been in three animated movies so far and across all three total, she's had like six lines. Weird. I'm why would you get why would you get Tony Collette and not use I don't her know. extensively? I don't know. That doesn't make any sense to me. It, I need to talk to the industry about it because she'll have these amazing roles like this. And then she'll have like really big indie like lately she's been doing a lot of like big indie lead roles, but like very underseen movies. And then like she'll be in like one mainstream commercial movie like a decade. She's also like barely in knives out. To be honest, I mean she's. And that was her most recent. It's an ensemble. It's an ensemble cast. She is memorable, at least. Like she has the dancing meme. Like you know, she got a meme out of it. And like that was just kind of like a what is it called? Like a afterglow kind of year post hereditary for her. And unbelievable was that same time. Like she she's kind of coming back a little bit. I think she just she needs to get one. And she's going to be in that new Guillermo del Toro movie that was pushed back because of COVID, but Kate Blanchett's in it and all that stuff. So, oh my God. I was thinking during this movie that I really, really need Tony Collette to play gay again soon. Do you? Yeah. When did she do it before? Um, the Hours. Yeah, but that was no. Oh that God, was. I totally forgot about that. He wasn't. <laughs> she was like not gay in that though. 
I thought that she kissed Julianne Moore, or did Julianne Moore kiss her? Julianne Moore kissed her, and like oh. Tony had an undercurrent of of desire. Yeah, I don't think also... she. I think it was one of these. Maybe she's gay, but she but she wasn't out. I mean, she was very yeah. You know, but, if you she know, was gay, she was very closeted. And she was gay adjacent in United States of Terror. Yeah, as Buck. Yeah, she was a. She had a. She had a male alter ego, who. Um, God, what's her fucking name? Who was in Ho- Nam. Hooked up with who had Tammy. a relationship with Joey Lauren Adams. Yeah, I love I love Buck. I just wonder um, if she's someone that Hollywood doesn't know what to do with, which is weird because it shouldn't be that complicated. No, but you know she's not that young anymore. I mean, she's not old, but she's but she's not like an ingenue. Yeah, and she just some- had her birthday. Actually, how old is she? I totally forgot because we missed her birthday two years in a row. If we respect her, we will not publish that information. Just kidding. Yeah. Women can age gracefully. Ha ha. Uh, she's 48. <laughs> she just turned 48. 48. I would have oh. gone younger. So she's 48. Yeah, she's, she looks 40. great. Yeah. Her okay, age it's bracket's totally like. believable that she could get a young guy. Yeah. Her that, age that bracket's was... like 35 to 50 right now, I feel like. Yeah. You know, she's like super. Um, my roommate Rosemary was saying during the movie that we kind of see the entire span of ages that Tony can play in this movie because she goes yeah. from at least like super young seeming to being like a literally a dead body. I mean, yeah, she looks so aged in the end and like mm-hmm. she has a cane and she has glasses. Not that glasses age you, but like her character oh. didn't have them before. She and says then she was, like, her glasses were, well, they were a result of the illness, right? Yes. Yeah, because her anymore. brain tumors uh, made her a little bit blind, but God, not blind enough so to sad. not drive. She drove herself God. to visit Drew Barrymore yeah. and tell her. Well, that. she probably shouldn't have. But so good. I love that moment. I feel like they I, stand what, um, Wuthering Heights. What I love about this movie is that the dialogue is like very, very colloquial and there's not a lot of like big conversations and the big conversations that do happen, sometimes we kind of just see them in like a montage. Like there's that montage Mm. right after Tony tells her husband the first time that she has cancer and they're like laughing in bed and then they're crying and then they're like comforting each other. And then the dialogue that you do see on like a long-term level um, with scenes that go on a couple minutes as opposed to like five seconds is just them being like joking around with the nurse that's giving them the chemo and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I thought it was a really interesting stylistic choice that I appreciated that they didn't, she didn't, they didn't show um, her telling Drew or her husband. Like they, she didn't, they didn't yeah. show them telling her that she had cancer. It, they only showed the doctor telling her. And then, like, I think that I always think that's more interesting because it's like it's it can it can veer into like cliche territory if it's like I have cancer, and then they're like, ah! you know, it's like I liked that they did like those middle kind of cuts, yeah, cutaways to it. What what I liked is that it kind of seemed like it wasn't like um, in my opinion, I think that I could very easily imagine the writer of this movie being about to write a scene and then being like, well, have I seen this in every other cancer movie? Exactly. Yes. Then I'll just skip it and go to something else. But then 
the film never like risks being boring because it's so visually beautiful. Like every yes. set, like I want to live on every set in this movie and every character oh God, right. has that an outstanding so nice. wardrobe and Drew Barrymore. Color like, palette was great. Great color palette. Drew Barrymore rocks a red. Like sh- I don't notice things like shoes and I was very conscious of the shoes. Drew yeah. Shoes were really, really fabulous. Drew Barrymore rocks a red lip in like 80% of the scenes in this movie and it looks amazing Drew- every time. Oh, I think, sorry, my 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 service entrance button just beeped. Hold on. Sorry. He's getting service. <laughs> yeah, Live on the air. Arm. Wow. I'm kidding. No, I don't even know what that is. It's like a weird buzzer. Back to the show. Um, no, yeah, on that topic, I think it's just like, I love the subtle creative choices. Like, let's randomly have Drew live on a houseboat and like, let's have Tony's ha- have a really decadent, like, Bollywood backyard picnic set up or whatever. Like, it was just interesting. Cause like, I didn't think about it as I was watching it, but now that you mentioned it looking back, I'm like, oh my God, it's such a beautiful, beautifully staged movie. And on the topic of like, in between scenes, just gonna go on a mini tangent here i love that because you were saying like have i seen this before i'm like this is not a similar movie at all but like the movie boyhood which is like 12 years of someone's life they intentionally don't show like milestone scenes per se unless it's like very important but like like they won't show a graduation or like a prom but they'll show like the day before or like you know, something else. Cause it's like light there's their whole motto was like life is about the in-between moments, which I thought this movie did a good job of as well with like, you know, it didn't have like a full, the doctor telling her every single step they're doing with the chemo, you know, her telling everybody about it. It was just like in between. Also, <clears throat> if we can go to Harry Potter corner for a minute. Sure. I'm always there. The lady giving Tony Collette all these different wigs when her hair is falling out yep. is Madame Maxime from the Goblet of Fire. I know. <laughs> Dab. <laughs> Turns out she's British and not French. Maybe she's probably both. She was much she shorter could- in this. She's giving Tony all these different wigs. And the first one she gives her, Tony looks kind of upset. And then she's like, you're right. It's very 1980s political lesbian. And I'm like, that's what I want from Tony, though. Like, I want, I want, I wish that Tony had been in Mrs. America, one of, like, the radical. Uh, yeah. Just. Oh, oh my God. Rock is a 1980s political lesbian. She, okay, so The Crown is about to come out, and Gillian Anderson's playing Margaret Thatcher, but Tony would have been so good at that, too. My God. I feel like Tony and Jillian Anderson should be gay together in a movie. Yes. Ooh, that's a good who, idea. Who needs oh. Kate Winslet and Schwarzerone? Sersha. Sersha, sorry. I love her so much, but I always call her Schwarzwaz out of habit. <laughs> oh, I have no idea. So, what did you just say her name was? Sersha. 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 It's like mm-hmm. sale, but with an R. Sha. Okay. Um, I, I think we absolutely need and I think we need to plot it out and we need to get it to Hollywood uh, a Gillian Anderson Tony Collette lesbian movie like that one there was there was that one with um, Mark Ruffalo was in it 
And oh, the kids are nothing. all right. Kids are all right. Like, oh, I haven't seen that. Like maybe some kind of a, like a Brit version of that where they're sort of, you know, they're not young, but they're not old. She could be gay with Annette Benning too. I'll do that. That's oh okay, but she but Annette Benning did it already, so she probably doesn't want to do it again. Well, you know, in my code of ethics, I'm 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 personally the law. The, I'm the gatekeeper. I allow straight people, certain straight people, to play gay characters. Annette Benning, okay. I allow Tony. I allow Annette Benning. No, uh, they've do you know done what enough we, for the community. Do you know what we need to see? Is we need to see a gay Tony Collette Rachel Griffiths movie. Oh, oh my God! I just watched. We just started Six Feet Under last oh week. Oh my god. And Rachel Griffiths is like one of the main characters. And I thought of Muriel's Wedding. Remember when, okay, when we were covering Tony's first movie, Muriel's Wedding, we were talking about how brilliant her co-star Rachel Griffiths is in that movie. And they do have like lesbian subtext between them, but it's never commented on or acted upon. And during the podcast, I was like, what has Rachel Griffiths done since Muriel's wedding? Like, I, I, I hope that she's been working. And then Jake's mom typed out, like, an angry text to Jake and was like, Rachel Griffiths was a series regular on Six Feet Under. She has worked. And I was like, great. That's not going to make me watch Six Feet Under. Oh, oh my God. It's so good. Francis Conroy was – I know. literally but, kills. But in the first – And Peter Krause. Peter Krause. Krause, thank you. In the first episode, yeah, that's how it's pronounced. Apparently, I don't know. Actors are okay. fucking bitches about their names being pronounced stupid. And uh, yeah, it's Steve Buscemi. It is. Mm-hmm. I thought it was Buscemi. No, he says Buscemi. Yeah, then he Ew. says it wrong. Some people say but their like, names wrong. <laughs> and Rihanna's real name is Rihanna, but she goes along with it. So yeah, it's because she's nice. <laughs> she is nice. It's because she's sweet. It's because she's sweet like this movie. She's nice. I don't know like if I, this movie. movie, was this movie sweet? I don't know if it was sweet. I guess yes. it was sort of sweet. It was, it was morbid. I mean, because it's, it's, it's very, I mean, I felt, I, I actually, I honestly felt terrible because I, I did warn my wife. I was like, it's got a sick friend. No, I did uh, not know that it was really going to tug on the heartstrings quite as much, but she, she was really a wreck. And I was like, oh, I felt, I felt so bad that I had dragged her into this. Because usually I, I when I want to watch way. a movie, it's got superheroes in it. I know she's not interested. This was an opportunity for us to watch a movie together, for which I am grateful. Yeah. But it was definitely, it was definitely rough. It was, it was very rough. Is it possible to make it work with somebody who has different taste in movies from you? Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, yes. Really? Well, you, you went, well, it depends on how stubborn you are. Oh, okay. What ends up happening? What, what ended up happening with us, and particularly early in our relationship, she would want to go see some like girly movie. Like um, there's a Christian Slater movie. I think it's called Bed of Roses. I don't know if you ever heard. It's it's got um, it's got it's got some good actors in it. But I was born in 1995. Oh no, I know. I you didn't see this in theaters. <laughs> um, but she was like, "Let's go," and then she hates it, and then I love it. So like that hmm, was the pattern. Okay. Like it's not a movie that I would ever go see, but then once it w- I was presented to it, I was like, okay, because I'm I'm pretty flexible. She has definitely been will. She's de- she's been willing to watch most of the superhero nonsense. You know, she even came to see. You know, if it's in a theater, she'll go. She went to Aquaman, which was horrible, um, and she likes the Marvel movies because they're pretty good. Okay. So you know, you find balance. But I mean, in terms of let's sit down and watch a movie, you know, she doesn't want to watch the Avengers for a tenth time. You know? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's I what was I about wanted. to say, 
that I don't have that that issue. But actually, you know, Brandon introduced me to um, friend of the pod. Brandon introduced mm-hmm. me to um, like a genre that I had largely ignored due to uh, internalized homophobia throughout my teenage years, which was like fun female-led uh, comedies. So now I'm a convert and I love um, Easy A, The House Bunny. Um, oh, The Other Woman is great with Leslie Mann and Cameron Diaz. Sam hates Cameron Diaz, but we love really? that kind I of movie. That kind of movie is the act. best comfort food. She's such a good actor. I really like her. <laughs> I've always thought she was good. I thought she was and, good all the way back to The Mask. You know what? I love her in The Mask. She's terrific in The Mask. Her final role being Miss Hannigan is the best, is the most iconic thing. Has she not acted ever. since then? No, she's retired. She's done. You know oh, what? Really? Now that I think about it, I kind of yeah. miss her. Exactly. She's I had no idea it. she I had no idea she was done. What, what an interesting I'm sure I, she'll come back in like 15 years when win an Oscar for playing like uh, an old like a war. Playing like a lesbian with Tony Collette. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, they were in a movie together. They were in um this they were movie sisters. called In Her Shoes. Sorry, I have to which is a that. which is a porn yeah. genre. In her shoes? No, sisters. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also I thought uh, you in her shoes too. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a good movie too. No, I, I like that movie. <laughs> I feel like here's what's up. And our listeners will know. Because if our okay. The most frustrating thing. Well, wait, I'm going to wait for Jake to get back. Actually, he can't relate to this. The most. I'm here. <laughs> I'm just plugging my computer. Oh, you in. have your AirPods in. Uh, okay. The most frustrating thing always is looking for girl on girl porn, and all of the results are ones in which they're sisters. Stepsisters, I think, is usually. Right? Stepsisters, it- sisters. I don't give a fuck. But sometimes I, it's the same thing. I don't want any familial relations in oh, my porn. Oh, okay. Oh, really? It, it, it like, I, I can't, like, it ruins it for See, me. See, I'm an like, only child, so that genre is, like, wide open for me. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I have a brother and sisters. I can't do it. See, it's over for you. Too creepy. <laughs> yeah, it's too weird. <laughs> I mean, I'm an actor, so I can empathize. Oh with my god! Having siblings because I've like, like on stage, I've had siblings before, <laughs> but like in real life, and like they're kind of the same thing as my real siblings, but not. Remember before. in in college, in our freshman year of college, Jake told me that he had had a sister who had survived cancer. <laughs> oh my god, that's topical. Just because he wanted to see if I would believe it. And he kept. All right, let me go. let me tell the story. Okay. So, I, Sam was like my first friend in college, and Sam, I'm finally sitting down. And, and this is how you treated me. Yes, and I was like, you know what? It would be fun if I like just pretended that I had a sibling, and I was like, yeah, my sister Claire. Yeah, she's younger than me, and I showed her a picture of an actual girl that I went to high school with, and um, I was like, this is Claire, my sister. And um, we didn't really look anything alike. And she was also like half Mexican. Um, But she, and I'm not, but she, um, anyways, I kept this up for a few weeks and then um, I would show her pictures and like, it was kind of a sus thing. And like, Sam, what did you say to your mom? 
I explained, sorry, I like muted my microphone because I was eating, um, which when you think about it is the most professional way I could have handled the situation <laughs> rather than eating before the podcast because that would have required me to take my attention away from the movie that I procrastinated watching. Anyway, I told my mom this story. I was like, Jake says that he has a sister, but I don't believe it. And my mom said, I think that Jake had a sister and she died. And now he's pretending that she's still there. And I was like, oh, no. And I told you she survived cancer. Because, admittedly, I did trap you in that lie. Because you said, I have a sister. And I said, that's not true. Because you told me that you need to have kids because you're the end of your family line. And I said, oh, "Oh, all her eggs eggs were um, frozen or lost because of her chemotherapy or radiation. (laughs) Um, Which is a fucked up lie to tell. Uh, when you're trying this to make goes on in acting school. Funny. Is this what happens? Yes. I didn't go to acting school. I'm and then, and then after I was exposed by the lie, um, we've been best friends for seven years. <laughs> because all the pictures that he would show me, it would be him, his fake sister, and then everybody Jake like went to high school with, and oh, Jake yeah. went to like not like he went to like an art school, like not the public high school that he would have been like zoned into going to. So I was like, oh yeah, your sister just hangs out with all of your friends from your fucking art school. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, does she have any friends? And he'd be like, let's watch Aladdin. Because the girl (laughs) I chose as my fake sister was actually my like high school best friend's girlfriend. So she was in all the pictures with me. And I was like, yeah, I don't really talk to her, but she like hung out with all my friends. Did she look like you? vaguely they were enough both that, white and that was it well yeah i mean enough that like like if you really looked you'd be like no but like you could be like okay this is my sister maybe some siblings don't look like i mean i don't look anything like melanie but you you look like you look, look like your brother yeah yeah and then he looks like your sister and then she looks like your other sister yeah it's like a mm. <laughs> it's like a russian doll of, yes of, of looking like god um all right the sibling relationships in this movie are fine are there siblings were well, there siblings? Tony, tony, tony collette has two children there's an older girl there's like an i would say like an eight-year-old girl and like a six-year-old boy they're like adorable British children. Yes, they're British. And it made me think that if I have kids, I want them to be British. <laughs> when that little girl is like, he's coming over on the weekend. I was like, oh my God, they emphasize the and in England. Also, Tony sounds so good as a Brit. Like she's she's so not always good. a Brit, but she this was like her sexiest, like fancy British voice. Don't you think also, she could probably do any accent? I mean, oh, she, she can. She, uh-huh. Yeah. She has done every, every movie is a different accent and it's still so believable. But I have to say something really quick. I'm on the Wikipedia page for this and I am completely gagged about who was originally supposed to be in this movie. Who? So Col- Tony was always attached, but Drew's role was originally Jennifer Aniston. Oh, interesting. And then she was replaced by Rachel Vice. Oh my God. And then she was replaced by Drew Barrymore. Interesting. I don't think a Drew Barrymore is being a replacement. I know, right? Drew Barrymore. Tony... Now, now, Jennifer Aniston is a much bigger star. So if, if Jennifer Aniston's in it, it would have been an American. Yeah, it would have been. It would have picked up in America. It would have been a much bigger deal. But is she bigger deal than Drew Barrymore? Jennifer Aniston, absolutely. 
Oh, wow. They're both household names, though. They are. I'm surprised that Drew Barrymore was third choice. I know. But in terms of box office draw, I would say Jennifer Aniston is a bigger star. I just love that Tony was always attached, though. Wait, you guys. I'm reading the IMDb trivia, and Tony Collette and Drew Barrymore became actual, like, close friends on set, and so did their children. Of course they did. Okay. they're, They're both awesome. Uh, <laughs> this is the friendship I didn't. This is the Hollywood friendship I didn't know I needed. Maybe she'll be on Drew's talk show. That's what I was thinking. Also, oh. two of the close-ups on the film were shot using an iPhone five because Catherine Hardwick felt it allowed for more intimacy than the use of a regular movie camera. I want to know which roles. I have an iPhone eight, and sometimes I'm like, you know what? This deserves an iPhone five when I'm taking pictures of things. Well, this was 2015, so <laughs> yes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Also, oh, I didn't even realize. You know how sometimes IMDb trivia just points out like weird, it's not trivia, it's just like connections that the autistic person writing it did where uh, <laughs> like, and I say this as somebody who's probably autistic, but uh, Tony Collette says that with her head shape, she would probably look like E.T. Mm-hmm. And Drew Barrymore was in E.T. Whoa. I didn't even think about what, 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 what? I'm dabbing. So That's how you know Drew Barrymore was the fourth choice. He's like, oh my <laughs> God. You were in, I'm in, I was in E.T. Tony. And then Tony's like, how was E.T. How, how was E.T. How, how was E.T. Ah. I'm trying to get into my, I can't. Oi. The Australian you accent. There we go. When you do an Australian go. accent, you got to start with oi. Oi. Thank you. Because I don't have the, I don't have the hook word that you need. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need, you need the oi. 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 How was AT, Drew? How was AT, Drew? There you go. And then she's like, it was so good, Tony. In my mind, for the Australian accent, your tongue just has to be all the way in the back of your throat, like the entire time. You're just like. Hi, hi, it's us, the blue burger. That's, hi, but hi. See, that's, a bad, that's a bad Australian accent, which means that that's Oh, I'm not saying mine is good. I just think in order to get into it, <laughs> I, you, you've, like you said, the, the key word or whatever you want to call it, trigger word. When I think of Australia to New Zealand as far as accents. They're pretty know. similar, but they're not the same. Because like I do New Zealand because I think of Lord, uh, pop star Lord when she was uh, exposed <laughs> for having an onion ring Instagram account. Pop and star she, Lord. And she goes, um, I got rumbled for my onion ring account. I love onion rings. They so delicious. So that's my New Zealand. Amazing. Something that really fucked me up about this movie was that Drew Barrymore's husband's name is Jago. J-A-G-O. Yeah, that's, a, that's a weird name. That, maybe that's a common British name. That's not a name I've ever heard before. We haven't even said any of the characters' names. We've just said... It's Drew Brian. and Tony. Um, yeah, Drew and, and Tony. Then Jago, Dominic Jago, and husband. And Jago. And, and Earring. And, and the, and the, uh, earring. the adorable children. I'm like a conservative woman from Connecticut. I'm like the one with the earring. He has a name. Oh, I just haven't cared to earring. learn it. Oh, and he won't let his daughters get earrings? That's fucked. That's fucking stupid of him. Well, she's young. She's like eight years old. I had my earring. I had my ears pierced when I was like a newborn. Okay, well, I. That's how Puerto Ricans do it. 
are you Puerto Rican? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Imagine if I wasn't. <laughs> Imagine if I was like, not by blood, but by choice. <laughs> the Rachel you identify, of Puerto you identify Rico. as Puerto Rican? I had a I had an improv teacher in high school who was who who um said that she was Native American not by blood but by choice and I'll never forget Elizabeth when Warren. she told us really <laughs> was it Elizabeth amazing. Warren no her name was T and me and T? the other person who asked her yeah because she was always like doing like Native American like she came in on the first day and was like this was the acting intensive that I did with Julia Rossi oh. she came on in <clears throat> on the first day. And, you know, she was dressed like kind of like new agey. Um, and she was like, this is a Native American talking stick. And only the person holding the Native American talking stick is allowed to talk. And then we all had to right. go around in a circle, like disclosing the most traumatic parts of our lives, uh, which I've now learned is something that's a sign that you might be getting initiated into a cult. And <laughs> then like a couple weeks later, because she would always be talking about like being Native American and stuff. We were like, so you're Native American? And she said, not by blood, but by choice. And me and the other person who asked her, our mouths just dropped open. <laughs> yeah, in the early 2010s, you could choose your race. Yeah. Um, Thank God that's over. What I, I honestly, I don't think that I was able to pinpoint Catherine Hardwick's directing style before watching this because all I had seen was Twilight and I was like, those don't count as movies. Did but she direct the original Twilight? She did. Yeah. Yeah. As a, yeah. And 13. The other one is 13, which I've always right. I'm on her page but now. I, but I, I, it, it's, it's sort of a 13 girl going wild. And I, I she directed really the Nativity really Story. What? Right? And I did not know that Oscar Isaac played Joseph. What? I saw that with my church group. My family has it on DVD, but we've I saw it with it. my church group and I was like, I don't know how I feel about, about this Christianity. I was like, that was a boring movie. I might need to leave the church. <laughs> but <laughs> but I really I really like Catherine Hardwick's directing style. She has oh, she these, was like, terrific. These I, long, maybe, like it, like lingering shots. Yeah. I mean the directing, like Twilight, I will say, is a very visually like pretty movie. Mm-hmm. I've seen the trailer. I saw Twilight in the theaters with my grandma, and it was like <laughs> the movie Twilight came out right around the time that I was like growing out of Twilight. And I kind and my grandma had read the books, and she was like, "This really? is something that me and my granddaughter can connect on because my grandma loves to read, and like I loved to read uh, as a kid." And while we were watching the movie in the theaters, I was like, "This, this, this is not a good story," <laughs> and and then I started hating Twilight like right after, but. I joined a forum, a message board online called twilightsucks.com. Good. Where I met uh, my friend Leah, who I still talk to to this day. And both of us still remember so many details about Twilight. Like, um, there was people on the Twilight Sucks forums would say, when other people would say that they were like <laughs> Team Edward or Team Jacob, people would say that they were team Tyler's van because there's a scene in the first Twilight where a boy named Tyler accidentally runs over Bella. <laughs> well, he almost runs her over and then Edward like stops the car with his hand. 
Do you remember that storyline on Parks and Rec when Will Forte is on a mission to get the entire Twilight series put into the time capsule of the town? I shit you not, like three different times I've gone to um, I've, I've gone to stay over at the apartment of the person that I'm seeing and he'll put on that specific episode before we go to sleep. <laughs> and I think that he just always falls asleep within the first five minutes and then like is like, oh, like I missed that episode because I was asleep. I have to try and watch it again. An endless loop of doing that every night. Mm-hmm. I have to say something that I just found out Catherine Hardwick also directed, which is the music video for Till It Happens to You, which is a Lady Gaga and Diane Warren song about sexual assault on college campuses. God damn it. So is that the song that they wrote like in partnership with Joe Biden? No. Stop that. That's not a real. No, because Joe. No, because Joe Biden. Because this was like during the Obama administration, and Joe Biden's whole like project was like camp on campus sexual. He was assault. involved with that movie. Hold on, hold on. Well, I don't know that about the movie it, that was actually. His oh, because it was like an Oscar movie, right? Okay, never mind. The Hunting Ground. It's a documentary. Okay, never mind. Because Joe Biden had this whole thing during Obama's, uh, I think, yeah, yeah, term yeah. about stopping college rape. Is that because he's creepy with women? I mean, I don't understand. What's the connection? No, I think that uh, I think that it's just because, like, when you're vice president, you just have to like take yeah, things that like, yeah. Yeah, I've like, seen uh, Veep. Veep, she's in Veep. They put her in charge of like vegetables in the first episode. Yeah, yeah. It, Which it is that like an that attack on Michelle Obama? Because no, I could never. I would not attack her. Uh, well, we can criticize Biden now, so it's fine. Yes. Um, <laughs> He's been elected, and now we can talk about the crime bill, finally. <laughs> Stop it. Like we haven't already. I want to talk um, about his son's laptop. Oh, oh yeah, there God. you go. This, this is very off topic. <laughs> Fucking every time Rudy Giuliani, I feel like once you've been pranked by Borat, you just need to take a break for a little bit from asking people to like trust your judgment. No. Oh, I think when he brings in a lawsuit, they should be like... <laughs> Didn't you almost like have sex with a reporter on camera? Yeah. Like, like weren't you super creepy? And did you have your hand down your pants and stuff? No Republican has seen Borat. We're throwing this out. Oh, I think some have. <laughs> I think some of them have. I, I, my only complaint is I wish he would he let Giuliani go further. So he had something even more incriminating on camera. Yeah. Well, I heard um, in an interview that um, Sasha Baron Cohen, he was like waiting in like a closet for the right time to come out. Yeah. And he had like a burner phone or something where they were going to text him updates and tell him where to come out. But the phone was on at like 3% when he got in there. So he was like, I effectively do not know when I'm supposed to come out of this closet. So he kind of just winged it. So he was just oh guessing. God. Yeah, because he couldn't really oh. hear what was going on in there. Legend of mm. not charging his phone. That would, ma- that would make sense. That, that would, because because honestly, it looked like Giuliani was about to whip it out. Yeah. In the interview, he was like, you would have think that somebody would have thought to charge the phone, but I guess not. And I was like, somebody's fucking assistant got fired that day. Oh, absolutely. Like, I just know. And 100%. I, oh God, like, I just felt so bad. I'm the assistant. I'm the assistant. I'm the assistant, 100% in every situation. I'm not a stringent person. I don't double check. 
The amount of times that I've suddenly checked as soon as an episode of our podcast went up to make sure that I uploaded the edited one and not the one where we were talking shit about people. <laughs> oh my God. Someday it's all going to be leaked when we run for no, office. No, don't leak anything. You got nervous one time because you, you were like, QED has our file. Well, yeah, because we, until post-COVID, we've really just... We, we have files at QED and we have files at someone's house. And um, who knows? Maybe they want to release uh, I had a nightmare one our time. baggage. I had a nightmare one time that somebody who we'd been, um, who had been like our audio producer or whatever, somebody who had pressed record on um, the thingy. had was like blackmailing me or something yeah. and was like if you don't duh, duh. I was like oh, yeah, I don't no. think I don't think I'm currently blackmailable but you know you my very know. popular podcast is in peril hey we got over a, a thousand downloads on that website oh so that's great if you've ever downloaded our podcast you should follow us on Instagram Yep, and Twitter. At the Tony Awards. Or Tony Awards and pod, I don't know. Pressure pressure Tony Collette to get back on social media. Tell Tony Collette to restore her Instagram account and answer my DM. Ask her if she let's, remembers being in How to Lose Friends and Alienate People. And let's um, let's make a uh, change.org petition to get Tony back on social media. Okay. One thing that... Uh, one small detail... This is just me being a bitch. There's a scene where Drew Barrymore goes to visit Tony Collette and Tony's two kids come up with like Nutella Cheeto sandwiches and they make Drew Barrymore eat them. And I was like, those kids are too old for you to be eating that shit. Just tell, they're old enough for you to say that's not a sandwich that should exist. I mean, okay. what's the worst that happens? The kid cries. Oh no, his mom has cancer, but hey, he's crying because you won't eat his stupid fucking sandwich. Exactly. Drew has so much kindness in her heart in this movie. <laughs> can I? Can I nitpick too? Yes. Yes. Um, Jess would absolutely have questioned why they were getting two rooms at the Moors. Like she would. She would not have just been like, "Oh, okay, whatever." You know, because it doesn't make oh, any sense. Yeah. Like, why are we getting two? Why are we getting two rooms? They would have. They, of course, they would share a room. They're best friends. Yeah, um, they've been eating each other's pussy since they were thirteen. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's the fan fiction version. Yeah. Oh my god, um, Sam, write a fanfic about this movie. <laughs> and then also, fic. when she's pregnant, she wouldn't be lying on her back. I that think that's that true. I think that Tony Collette has an affair with an American man because she has secret feelings towards American Drew Barrymore. Ooh. Hot take. I, like um, I don't have any nitpicks um, off the top of my head. Uh, I didn't really take notes for this one because I was so engrossed, to be honest. And I kind of liked it. Um, so should we move on to awards? Um, let me see. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, oh, one thing that I want to say is that if my friend was, if I was dying of cancer 
and my friend said, well, I'm going to name my unborn child after you, I would be so mad because I know you're going to love that baby more than you love me. And I don't want to be the Samantha that you love second best. Did she say that though? Because it was a boy. Oh, it was a boy. Okay, because at one point, Drew Barrymore and... Okay, so this movie's sound editing was bad, I think, because I could not hear what was going on for a lot of it. And I was watching with my roommates. I had problems with that, too. We were on, like, a hundred volume, for sure. Yeah, Me, too. I was watching it with my roommates, and at one point, I couldn't really hear what was going on. And then one of my roommates said, oh, she's going to name the baby after her. No, I think that she probably just said that because that's a conclusion that I cliche drew for myself as that well. That was just a prediction. Because I was like, oh, she has to name the baby because she, okay, we do, we should say, Tony's basically on the verge of death in a hospice. Then Drew goes into labor and her husband's far away. And Tony's like, I will go to the birth. And she does and it's beautiful. She gives herself all, all the morphine and then gets the fuck out. Yeah. Her mom disguises herself as a doctor to, to free her from the hospice. And yeah, but that was a beautiful scene. But yeah, I kind of mentally was like, oh my God, she's going to name the baby. And then, well, like, then during, it by having okay. the baby be a boy. During the birth, uh, they FaceTime the dad in. And then the dad is like, put the camera between her legs. And then brings all his boys from the oil rig over to the phone to watch his wife's gaping vagina give birth to yeah, a baby. Maybe that's where Wikipedia gets the comedy description from. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, it was funny. I mean, it, it, it was it had, it had funny moments. There were funny, like interpersonal moments. The moment genre, where the husband, genre is overrated. This is one of Tony's classic genreless movies. Always, I don't know that it's genre. It's a melodrama. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's really it's melodrama. It's it's very melodramatic. Yeah. That's With funny. some humor. Okay. Um. If nobody else has any notes, then we can move on to awards. Woo. Okay. Here in the Tony Awards, we give three awards to each and every movie, first of which is best prop. So, Brett, what was your best prop? I like the cane. It was a Good brief prop. moment, but she, she's, going with, she's walking out and she's got a, got a very stylish cane. That's how you know that she's dying. Yep. Jake, mm-hmm. what was your best prop? Um... Similar, same scene actually. Mine was the shoes she gave to Drew. They were like Louboutins, I think. And then Drew like puts them on. And my favorite line too is when Drew, when Tony was like, "You're gonna look so good in these shoes," and Drew said, "Yeah, both times I wear them." <laughs> that was good. My best prop was Drew Barrymore's baby that they put in a dresser. Yeah, what the fuck? That's a <laughs> no. thing. That's, That's a very thing. much a thing. Dr. Spock <laughs> says in his book that you can put your baby in a drawer. Mm-hmm. So that's, they, it didn't was make, just, they didn't make that up. I, it was so would, funny. I would have preferred not like the top drawer, just in case the yes, drawer like, fell out by some trick of Well, God. you can be their nanny. You can be Drew and Jago's nanny. Put him so. in the bottom drawer. Take the drawer out. Put it on the ground. That's my opinion. Yeah, put the baby on the floor. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next award is best Tony moment. So Jake, what was yours? Honestly, the entire movie was so good. I can, I mean, so full of them. Like she, this is her best work in quite a while. Like she's always great, but like there are so many to choose from. So I'm honestly going to go with, we already kind of talked about it. Um, 
Mm, no, I'm gonna go with like any interaction she had with her kids. I thought was great because like, especially like the scene when she's giving them the PowerPoint on chemotherapy. It's like so sad. Fuck but she you. Gets some... That was mine. Really? Okay, <laughs> yes. well, I won't talk about it. You because, can talk about it. Because okay. I'm also going to talk about when she tells her daughter that she's going to die. And it, oh my like God. that was the worst scene in the movie. Like the fact that, like, imagine going through that as a kid. And like, they're like, mommy's not going to make it this time. And it's just like, what the fuck? And then Tony's just so good with the kids. I, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Brett? Um, I wrote down three. She waking, when she was waking up from surgery, that oh, was pretty, that was pretty great. Uh, yeah, after the mastectomy, that was pretty terrific. Um, the look on her face when she hears she has cancer, and the look on her face when her husband is being clueless. Now, I don't remember the exact <laughs> moment, but there was definitely a thing where he was just being like, you know, like he just, he just doesn't have a clue. And she just, she's just, she's so good. Mm. Yeah. Her face is so good for uh, me. My best Tony moment was the PowerPoint specifically because she was a PR person in her day job. And to me, it felt very much like a pitch that she would be delivering at work. And then there's a scene, I felt like that whole scene was way faster than a lot of the other scenes. And then there's a scene where her son like jumps up from the couch and yells, I want chemotherapy. And it almost looked like a commercial which I thought was very yeah. interesting. And, and Tony's cool. face with that was so like, uh, yeah. It was, it was so was, fucking funny. I adored yeah. it. Uh, our next award is a custom award. It can be for anyone or anything. So Brett, what was yours? Um, I'm going to go with best use of an REM song. Yes. With losing my religion. And I, I particularly like that neither of them can sing. Sometimes in movies, the actors feel like they have to show off their wonderful voices and they just didn't do that. I don't know that Drew Barrymore and Tony Collette can or can't sing. I have no idea. But they were certainly not trying to. And I felt like that was a lot more realistic than what you usually get. Yeah. When do they sing that song again? When At they go the to the Moors, Moors, I think. Tony and Tony Collette oh, is a yeah. really good singer. She has a band. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. Oh, I didn't. It's on that. Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to. Ooh. We have to cover the song. I'll text you, Jake. Okay. About, <laughs> I'm thinking of a potential alternative for Blinky Bill. Oh, okay. Tony's music career. Yeah. Ooh. All right. Um, my well, I guess award. I don't have to text you because you. <laughs> well, text me. Text me. Text me. I want to text. Okay. Um. Yeah. My custom award was best husband, and it goes to Tony's husband specifically when he gives her a thong, and she's like, "Did you buy this for yourself?" And then he shows that he's wearing his own thong, and he's like, "Yeah." And I thought oh, no, that I was think, very cute. Just I the two of them in their um, matching thongs. No, he gave her a uh, a bra, and he had the thong on. I thought. Oh, never mind. Either way, <laughs> he probably has a thong of his own. Not to correct you. <laughs> yeah. He seems um, like he my, my custom award is the Bridge to Terabithia award for uh, catching me off guard with extreme sadness in an unnecessary way. But this is sadder, this is sadder than Bridge to Terabithia. But I have to give that the award because that's what everybody thinks is the saddest surprising thing. And it wasn't a surprise in the movie that she died, but it was a surprise in my life that she died. Because Tony never dies in movies. He doesn't, except for the ones in which she dies. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, there you go. 
can I can I throw in another thing that yes. I think yes. that, um, that my wife and I were kind of fixated on this you know before I die thing that they were doing, mm. which I guess is a real thing. I mean, she said before I die, I want to fear nothing, which is quite good. But you know, I it's like mine are just they're not bucket list kind of things. It's really more stuff like I want to see the kids settled. You know, I want to grow old with my wife. Like that's sort of more, I just thought it was interesting because most of the things people were saying, they're like, I want to, you know, go to, you know, Athens, Greece, or I want to do this. And it's sort of like, I don't know. Those, those things don't really speak to me. What about you guys? Oh, like, like bucket list stuff? Well, the, the, that, there was a before I die wall. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fear nothing is something I would not put on there. Like I, it's very you're good just, in a movie sense. You're just setting yourself up for failure. Because like Cause you're being always afraid. Yeah. And like I, yeah, I personally will always be afraid. I feel like for me, it would be something very generic though. On the same track, kind of just like be at peace or something. Like be at peace is good. I like that. Yeah, yeah. it's fun, spiritual. I would also you like know, to see my kids settled before I die. That's true. Yeah, I would want to have like, I would want to feel like there was kind of like a conclusion to. I want to know part. that, yeah, I want to know that like stuff's going to be okay. Before I die, I want to stop working at restaurants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like if I die, I need to know, I want to die after Tony Collette so that you never have to record oh. an episode of the Tony Awards without me, Jake. <laughs> What? Because <laughs> we're going to be doing this for the next, like, 50 years. For however long Tony keeps making movies. True. She'll probably outlive us, Fiona. She'll probably be, like, Eventually, eventually we'll, be rec- we'll be recording only one episode of the podcast a year, maybe. Oh, no. Yeah. Why? Because she's going to be semi-retired? Well, no, just because we're going to get to her most recent films. Um... Oh, true. By like April, and then after that, you know, it's yeah, just going to be based to start... on when things get released. Then we have to start a new podcast on Adina Menzel. Yes. <laughs> okay. And on that note, oh wait, you have to ask me a question. Well, okay. Here's the thing: is I forget what your most recent favorite movie was. I think it's The Box Trolls. <laughs> Okay, Jake, your favorite movie that we have seen so far on this podcast has been The Box Trolls. How does this movie measure up? Is Miss You Already better than The Box Trolls? Indeed it is. Wow. So next week, I'm going to write that down. I don't have a pen. I'll write it down later. And if it wasn't The Box Trolls, then it was the one before, and it's better than that too. Wow. Wow. So... Next week, we're going to have to see if Blinky Bill the movie is better than Miss You Already. I'm sure it will be. Uh, We can move on to plugs now. Brett, do you have anything to plug? Yes, you can find out everything about me. Go to brettsinger.com and you can listen to my podcast, Comics Who Love Comic Books, on all platforms. Amazing. Nice. And with that, we have reached the end of our podcast. Bye. Um, Have a good cry this week. Thank you for having me. Have a good cry this week, everybody. Have a good cry, Brett. Thank you. (laughs)